This is Corey Dillon. You are listening to the Bow Down Podcast, and it's coming from the legend, the one and only, one of one. This is the Bow Down Podcast, a Washington Huskies football podcast and a proud member of the Believe Network family. Ladies and gentlemen, back again. This is the Bow Down Podcast, and John, we go into the ship. We go into the ship. We go into the ship. Washington Huskies are college football playoff national championship game bound, John. Did we know? Did we think anything less of this team when we started this podcast? Our preview episode, we really thought this team had this type of potential. Absolutely. We did a season preview. We went down game by game, piece by piece, even what potential scores could possibly be. We thought the only blemish on their record could possibly come at the hands of Oregon State. They proved us wrong. We knew what we were getting with Michael Penix. We thought he could possibly win the Heisman. It's unfortunate that he didn't, but now he's getting that national recognition as being the guy in the college football game today, the best quarterback in the country hands down, and now He's showing the entire nation where we talked to Mario Bailey about the Pac-10, Pac-12 bias where nobody really gives them an opportunity because uh, all these other teams, Bama, Michigan's, are playing at 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Nobody's staying up to watch those Pac-12 games at 10.30 p.m. But nonetheless, we did it. Another hard fought victory one possession victory things got a very very dicey towards the end of the game um dylan johnson got hurt Uh, there's all signs are pointing that he will be a go on that national championship game however that injury really put a wrench in the clock situation because instead of 20 seconds that they would have the Longhorns would have got the ball back with. They ended up with 40 seconds and marched all the way down near the red zone. So I mean, it was a close call. But like most of these games this season for the Washington Huskies, they pulled it out dramatic fashion, heart wrenching fashion, almost making me want to throw up the entire last minute of the game fashion. Yeah, ten straight victories by ten points or less, tying actually setting an NCAA record for Division I. Um, I'll tell you what, that last 45 seconds of the game felt like it lasted 45 minutes and definitely had me calling my primary care physician the next morning about my blood pressure because, boy, oh, boy. Um, But as we are alluding to, Huskies beat the Texas Longhorns in the Sugar Bowl 37-31. Um, And we'll play the Michigan Wolverines, number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, in the 2024 college football playoff championship game this Monday in Houston. Um, I know we knew that this team would have been in this position. We were high on them from the jump. And I know one other person that knew this team would be in this position, and his name is head coach Kalen DeBoer, who will have these Huskies ready to play with high intensity and bring that effort in this national championship game, hopefully bringing that national championship back to Seattle for the first time since 1991. John, a big three update and a big update it was. Michael Penix Jr. showed everybody in the country why he should have went home with the Heisman Trophy. 
29 of 38, 430 yards, two touchdowns. Literally just another day at the office for him. Um, there's been two college football quarterbacks in the last X number of years who have had back-to-back 4,500-yard seasons. One is named Michael Penix Jr. One is named Patrick Mahomes. I think Michael Penix Jr. is in good company. Talk to me about your thoughts on his game in the Sugar Bowl. You know what? Just like we predicted, uh, weather wasn't a factor. He was 100% healthy. Jalen McMillan was back. We'll, we'll speak on him in a, in a second. And you know how that offense works when you have all the pieces firing on all cylinders? Michael Pennis can go back there and pick up pick them apart with the best of them. And now you're joining the same company as a quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't get any better than that. And it's a shame it took a national spotlight game like this. But if you listen to any draft preview show now, it goes from Michael Penix being a late first to an early second to now they're saying Michael Penix could be top 10. Yes. From this one game, we've been seeing it all season long. His potential, his accuracy, his decision-making, his arm strength. And now everybody's hopping on the wagon that we've been riding since the season even, before the season even began. And to speak on his accuracy, one thing we've been preaching here on the Bow Down Podcast since before we started this podcast was... One thing Washington needs to do is control the middle eight, the last four minutes of the second and the first four minutes of the third. And what did Michael Penix Jr. do in that third quarter? I believe his numbers were like 11 of 13 with 11 straight completions and two touchdowns. Absolutely dominating performance, 430 total yards, something like a 75% completion percentage. He had those two touchdowns. And like we said, just another day at the office. Why was it so easy for him? Because he had all of his weapons back and healthy. Roma Dunze, who, again, probably the best player on the field when he's playing, six receptions, 125 yards, and something like a 20-yard per catch average. Another solid outing for Rome. Typical day for him. He could essentially do anything he wanted against that Texas secondary. Talk to me about Rome's game. And you've seen it. You've seen him having basically one step on the defender and Michael Penix Jr. back there just letting the ball fall right into his lap. And the chemistry that these two have is unmatched. And it's so great. It's such a pleasure to watch them because even the announcers all game were saying, okay, third down, they're going to look for Rome on an option route or they're going to look at Rome on a crossing route. And they would call the plays before they even knew it was happening. So you would think that the Texas defense was thinking the same exact thing and they couldn't do anything to stop it. One of the best passes of the night was when Penix threaded the needle down the middle to Jalen McMillan for the touchdown. Uh, McMillan ended the game with five receptions, 60 yards, and that touchdown. You could just tell how much more energy the team had when when J-Max on the field. Talk to me about what he brings because, yes, you have Polk. Yes, you have Odunze. But McMillan is a game changer when it comes to that slot and that shifty across the middle of the field. I think it's so funny just the – 
the um the fact that Jalen McMillan was playing in the game and any game that he plays in, the offense just adds another gear and they look so much better than when he's not playing. I don't know. I don't know if it's a comfort thing for Michael Penix Jr. or what have you, but it's great to have him back. He's been killing it. He looks great. He looks like he hasn't skipped the beat, but he means so much to this offense than people really, really believe. Yeah. Uh, we talked on Doomsday. We talked McMillan. Jalen Polk, probably the game of the year for him. Five receptions, 122 yards and a touchdown. Set the tone early with that long reception on their first drive to set up the touchdown for Dylan Johnson. Finally broke out of his slump and looks like his old self. That 70-yard catch, he made two or three defenders miss. Talk to me about Jalen Polk. I mean, he had that crazy uh, the pass deflection, and then the ball just landed in his hands. But Jalen Polk is arguably a number one receiver on any other college football team. It just happens to be he's on a team with Odunze and Jalen McMillan, and he, he's been killing it all season long. He did have that two, three-game stretch where he was really a no-show. But like I said, all three of their – our number one receivers essentially that is a dangerous offense number one passing attack in the entire country and you can also throw in Jeremy Bernard had a pretty decent game he had that one long ball and can we throw in Jack Westover like that dude was out there one of the most athletic tight ends you could you could see just making these diving catches one-handed catch over and over again and really being a safety outlet for Michael Penix Jr. And it's just, if if it's not one guy, it's another guy. So this, this offense is ridiculous. And I wanted to touch on this. Aaron Murray early in the year was saying that uh, this team really resembles that 2019 LSU team with Joe Burrow, Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. And if you kind of put all those players and match them up with somebody on this offense, it's a lot more similar than you really think. So I think that's a very, very fair comparison because the LSU defense wasn't all that great, but they made plays just like this Washington Huskies defense. The last time a quarterback had over 425 yards passing in the college football playoffs, whether semifinals or finals, was – Joe Burrow for that LSU team in 19. So wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This offense is as good, if not better. Flip into the defensive side of the ball, John. You and I had our eyes on one player and one player only for a majority of the game because Braylon Trice was as dominant as he's ever been against this Texas Longhorns offensive line. They looked like Swiss cheese with Braylon Trice. Defensive player of the game, defensive MVP of the Sugar Bowl. Talk to me about Braylon Trice's game and why he was our player of the game. What what can't you say about him? We were very critical on him earlier in the season. He did only have five sacks compared to 10 sacks a season ago on this year. Um, but you and I both know, led the nation in quarterback pressures and he's been playing at a different level these last few games. Uh, the two sacks, two forced fumbles where he's running down the field, chasing down these guys, were phenomenal. And that's the type of effort that 
any NFL scout is looking for. And although he might have played himself out of a first-round pick earlier in the year, he is hands down a first-round pick this year, especially after that game. And look, look what one single nationally televised, nationally spotlight game has now done to Michael Penix Jr.'s draft stock and now Braylon Trice's draft stock. I mean, it's it's unlimited. What what I will say about Braylon is I was watching him exclusively when we were on defense during the Sugar Bowl, and every single play, it was either double or triple teamed or double teamed with a tight end chipping or a running back coming up, and they still couldn't stop him. John, I counted 15 or 16 different plays where Braylon Trice was being held and no flags. Again, we're not complaining. The Washington Huskies ended up winning the Sugar Bowl. We'll be playing for the national championship come Monday. So it's all water under the bridge at this point. But there's something very unique about this player because in a series of a three and out for three plays, he lined up as an edge rusher and rushed the quarterback and got a quarterback pressure. He lined up as a nose tackle over the center and broke the seam between the guard and the in the center and got the pressure. And then on third down, he dropped in coverage and was in, in the right place at the right time to break up a pass. He's very Kayvon Thibodeau-esque of when Kayvon Thibodeau was in Oregon. Very versatile, can do everything. And there's no doubt in my mind, Braylon Trice will be a first-round draft pick in this upcoming NFL draft. Another player in the game, John, special teams. It wins you games, it loses you games. Not for Washington, it wins games. Grady Gross kicked the ball seven times and got it through the upright all seven times. It was three field goals, four extra points, perfect no issues, no concerns. Talk to me about scholarship football player Grady Gross. What what can't you say about him? Um, every, that that viral video of him earning full scholarship after kicking the game winning field goal, um, just Mister Reliable. Because these big games, when the pressure is really on, when the lights are the brightest, is rarely where people are either going to come to the to the occasion or they're going to crack under the pressure and. Even though what the furthest was a 44-yard field goal, even those, the extra points, everything, he's Mr. Reliable. And it's great to have a kicker that you can count on game in and game out. And he's been just that for these Washington Huskies. We've seen it at the professional level. We've seen it at the collegiate level all season long. Grady Gross was accounting for 13 points this game. And he had the opportunity to score 13 points, and he scored 13 points. There are professional football players who aren't hitting 70% of their kicks. And Grady Gross, if he chooses to do so, if he keeps this accuracy up, could be playing on Sundays at an NFL stadium near you. Finally, John, for players in the game, Elijah Jackson. Could we say play of the game as well? Absolutely. Um probably the biggest play in Washington Huskies history uh, where he smacks the ball out of Adane Mitchell's hand, which it was a very catchable ball. If he doesn't go up there and smack the ball out of his hands, that's a touchdown. And And to put you on hold for a second, 
Adane Mitchell did burn him for a touchdown earlier in the game. Same play, same end zone. Exactly. And it was such an up and down game for Elijah Jackson. So to him to rise up to the occasion to make the play to send these Huskies to the national championship is special in itself. I I posted it before on the story on Instagram. I need that picture on all my shirts, all my sweatshirts, on hats. It was kind of that same uh, feel of a play when Richard Sherman knocked the ball away. You coming at me with a sorry-ass receiver like Crabtree? So, I mean, what a great play. I can't say enough. Elijah Elijah Jackson just battling back uh, through the up-and-down game that he had, up-and-down season, really, that he had. But uh, unbelievable effort and play, hands down. Two tremendous football programs. I'm not taking anything away from the Texas Longhorns and Coach Sarkeesian. A tremendous season for them going into Tuscaloosa, beating Alabama, winning their conference championship. It was arguably the toughest game that the Huskies had all season. But the Huskies came away victorious, winning the Sugar Bowl. We had Penix as the offensive MVP, Braylon Trice defensive MVP. And, John, we are off to Houston for the national championship. We will be having another episode where we'll break down the matchup between these Washington Huskies and the Michigan Wolverines more in depth. But before we do that, John, quick tidbits. What do you have for me on these Michigan Wolverines? It's a typical Jim Harbaugh coached Michigan football team. Uh, very big into the run game. You know what you're going to get with Blake Corum. One of the, he was a high trophy finalist or he was up for the Heisman trophy last year still over a thousand yards this year very good on on defense they have probably a first round pick in Will Johnson he's going to be shadowing Rome all game long uh very good quarterback a lot of people think JJ McCarthy's better than Michael Penix Jr. I don't think they've watched football all season long but it's, it's going to be a battle for the ages and it's 1991-esque Michigan Wolverines versus the Washington Huskies for the national championship game. It's a shame it's not at the Rose Bowl, but it's still great because it's indoors for Michael Penix Jr. nonetheless. But it's going to be an absolute battle. You can't say enough about uh, Kalen DeBoer getting to this moment in two seasons of being the head coach of the Washington Huskies. And now you don't know. There's there's different sides with the whole Jim Harbaugh thing and spying on the other team, stealing their signs. You saw J.J. McCarthy went on record today saying that uh, last year Ohio State was stealing their signs and all these other teams are stealing signs and it's just a part of the game trying to, you know, cover it up a little bit. I mean, I'm not crazy about stealing signs. I mean, it is what it is. You're going to try to steal signs. But if you're purposely putting players, putting your own guys on their sideline, you purposely have them up in the press press box just watching what they're doing. Yeah, that's a little messed up. If you just happen to watch them and figure it out, that's a different story. But if you're out there aiming to steal their signs, that's not right. You see, I'm on the other side of that table because if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying in my eyes. <laughs> but nonetheless, listen, Michigan is the number one team in the country for a reason. They have arguably one of the best coaches, J.J. McCarthy. Um, according to Harbaugh, is the best quarterback in Michigan school history, although you have players like Tom Brady who attended 
Michigan. So I don't know what Harbaugh's been smoking. Nonetheless, we're going to get more in-depth next episode on our Washington versus Michigan one versus two matchup for the national championship. Before I kick it to you, John, for the alumni spotlight, I do have to give a certain shout out to another alumni. Corey Dillon joined us on our last episode. If you haven't listened to it or watched it yet, please go back in the feed and check it out. It was an absolute pleasure to have the all-pro Super Bowl winning running back Corey Dillon on the Bow Down podcast with us. Awesome job, John. Thoughts on Corey Dillon's appearance? I mean, what a character. What a legend. What quotes he provided to us. Had you and I both dying, Adam. And just, I mean, we talked about it. Like, just one of those guys from when we were growing up that absolutely dominated the NFL. And just such a real, real good, real good dude. You mentioned it on the podcast with Corey. Corey Dillon is essentially the reason for NFL Red Zone. Having players like that who were just ripping off 50, 60-yard touchdowns on a weekly basis, whether when he was in Cincinnati or with New England, he's the reason the Red Zone exists. So, again, thank you to Washington Huskies, Cincinnati Bengals, and New England Patriots legend Corey Dillon. John, I'm kicking it to you for the Alumni Spotlight. I am going to go with safety Taylor Rapp. Rapp was a Husky from 2016 to 2018. As a freshman, he was named defensive MVP in the Pac-12 championship game, as well as winning Pac-12 freshman defensive player of the year in that same year. Named to numerous freshman All-America teams, first team All-American as a sophomore, first team All-American as a junior, His college career stats were 168 tackles, six sacks, seven interceptions. He was drafted in the second round of the 2019 NFL Draft by the Los Angeles Rams. He played for the Rams from 2019 to 2022. He is currently a member of the Buffalo Bills. He won Super Bowl LVI as a member of those Los Angeles Rams. Uh, His career his not career, his current NFL stats are 348 tackles, one and a half sacks, nine interceptions, and one defensive touchdown. Absolute legend. One of those guys that the minute that he stepped on the field as a freshman for the Washington Huskies, he was dominate. And he he, he proved it. He's been doing it in the NFL. I, I wish he went to a team where he was kind of utilized a little bit more than the Buffalo Bills, but he's still doing the damn thing, and he'll be maybe playing in the playoffs with the Bills. Could be. We'll see on Sunday night, Bills-Dolphins for the AFC East. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, John, before we get out of here, the current line for the Huskies versus the Wolverines is Michigan minus four and a half. Michigan, four and a half point favorite. You know what Michael Penix likes to say, right? I love being the underdog. I love being an underdog. Keep it locked here to the Bow Down Podcast. We will be bringing you content all week long leading up to and including during the national championship game. Check us out on Twitter at Bow Down Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at The Bow Down Podcast. And if any of our fans have questions, comments, or concerns they want to share with us, our email address is set up at 
It is the bow down podcast at gmail.com. Once again, the bow down podcast at gmail.com. John, I appreciate you. And I know we both appreciate Corey Dillon for joining us last episode. Anything else before we cut loose? Bow down. Bow down. Yes, sir. This has been the bow down podcast. Yes, sir.